Turn your Bibles, uh, please, to 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 32 through 37. 2 Kings chapter 4, we're going to start with verse 32, we're going to end at verse 37. Uh, especially for those who are new with us today, uh, I'm Drew, I'm the youth pastor, and I do apologize if you came looking for the real pastor. Uh, he is uh, taking his rest and kind of sabbatical, and, um, and I know he's, and, and, and he's just thrilled just to be able to, uh, to get some rest and everything else, and I've, talked, I've spoken to him a couple of times, and uh, he's just at the beach, and he does that just to get away with his wife and his family, and... Um, his kids, and uh, he's and, and I talked to him. He goes, Drew. He goes, I'm I'm ready to preach. So uh, he is coming back in two weeks. Uh, well, he'll be back next week. Andy King will be with you, and then after that, Pastor John will be back. And I'm just, I just, I'm so thankful that we have a church family that just supports him that way. Because uh, just being around him every day and how much he loves and gives of himself, uh, I'm excited for him. But if you're new, I'm the youth pastor. But the pa- the, the Pastor John will be here in two weeks. All right, 2 Kings chapter 4, uh, starting off in verse 32. This is what it says. It says, when Elisha reached the house, there was a boy lying dead on his couch. He went in, shut the door on the two of them. And the people that he shut the door on was his mother and Gehazi the servant. So here is the Shunammite woman. This boy was a promise that God gave her, and he, and he died. So Elisha comes in and closes the door, and they're on the outside, and prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed and lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hand. And as he stretched himself out on him, the boy's body grew warm. Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room, and then got on the bed and stretched out on him once more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. And Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite. And he did. And she came and he said, take your son. She came in, fell at Elisha's feet, and bowed to the ground. Then she took her son and went out. This, is, this message that I'm going to be preaching today is a continuation of what my wife preached on Mother's Day. Um, my wife uh, preached on, um, on, on how to prepare your home, uh, and she did an incredible job. And, and uh, for whatever reason, this is the way God works with me. Uh, he kind of just gives me this, I'm not even looking, I'm not expecting it, but this, all of a sudden it's, hey, this is what I want you to speak on. And in the middle of me, of, of me watching my wife preach and really just supporting her and, and uh, excited for her, she, she mentioned this one part about how the Shunammite woman was not in the room uh, uh, while her son, while, while the miracle for her son was, was being worked on and was happening. And for some reason, it, when she said that, it was just like an explosion went off in my chest. And, and, and it was just like, God just told me, Drew, I know you're not looking for it right now, but this is what I want you to preach on when you preach on June 2nd. So, okay. Again, I was just taking notes and, 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 you know, going, go Kim, you're doing a great job. And then God just kind of interrupted my plans and said, this is what I want you to preach on. And so this isn't so much a planned series uh, as much as it is God, I believe, really has something to say to some people here. You're not here by accident. You're not here by chance. Um, as I went through this message today, um, I really believe that God's got some incredible things and an incredible word to, in store. And see, when we talk about this passage of the Shunammite woman and her boy that was dead and Elisha uh, performing a miracle, God performed a miracle through him. Often, especially as I grew up, I, I was preached this sermon and this sermon was presented to me from the viewpoint of Elisha. 
Uh, I grew up in, just, in a very charismatic circle, very charismatic church. Uh, and so uh, the, the focus anytime this story was presented was presented from the standpoint of Elisha and the miracle and the dynamic and, uh, and, and just, you know, and, and how he laid on the boy and it brought him to life. And apparently there was a lot of symbolism, which even as a young boy, I didn't understand because, you know, I would have preached to me, well, when Elisha laid on the boy and blew in his mouth and that breath kind of revived him and he grew warm, that's kind of how Christ does with us. And as a boy, I was like, Great, cool, and and uh, you know, then then I heard the symbolism preached as I was growing up that you know when the boy sneezed seven times, uh, apparently that's representative of uh, of how God uh, you know made the world in seven days and He brought life in seven days. And again, as a little as a little boy, I'm like, well, if He sneezed and that represents God bringing us up to life, I guess I'm just cosmic snot. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I just I, I didn't understand all that stuff. And then when I tried to go back uh, this time and just kind of study it, I still don't understand it. And, and and I wish I was an incredible theologian that could tell you what this means, and I'm sure it means something. I don't know. What I do know is while all that was going on, there was a Shunammite woman and a mother, and her boy was dead. Her promise from God was dead. Her only hope to see it raised back to life was Elisha. And the God in Elisha, because in those days, Christ, hasn't, Christ hadn't come. And God's spirit didn't infill, didn't infill everyone because of Christ. And the way God spoke during those days was he would pick individual people. And they would be the representative in the voice of God. And so, no, Elisha didn't work this miracle. God through Elisha did. But here was this woman, and her only hope to see her promise raised from the dead was Elisha. And the God through Elisha. And what did he do? He walked in the door, I'm sorry, he walked in the room and he closed the door. So for us today, maybe there's some people in here and just by odds, maybe there's a promise in your life that you're waiting on or that you consider to be dead. Maybe you are waiting for a loved one to come to the saving knowledge of Christ. Maybe for some people in here, the promise for you that you consider to be dead is a financial turnaround. Maybe you're waiting on a job. Maybe you're going through some hardships with your family. Maybe, you're, maybe your health is failing. Maybe your marriage is failing. Or maybe you're single and it looks impossible for God's mate to come your way. And the promise that you're holding on to not only just looks dead, but God has shut the door and said, I got this, I'm gonna handle this, but I'm gonna shut the door. And so the question that this Shunammite woman had to face is the same question that I believe a lot of us have to face as well today. And that is, what do you do when God works behind closed doors? How do you handle it when God takes your promise in his hands and says, you wait outside, I got this. I believe that's where a lot of people of us are today. And I'm very humble, uh, humbled to preach this today because I recognize that maybe today is going to be a little difficult for some. But what I'd like to do, and I believe God's asked me to do today, is to preach on this from the woman's, from the Shunammite woman's perspective. How does she handle it? What does she do when her promise lay dying? And I hope today that you will leave encouraged, but knowing that God's at work and he's got you. And somehow, some way, you're going you're gonna to be presented a finished product 
of that dead thing in your life come back to life. But right now, you're in the in-between stage. You've got the promise. You're just waiting to see how God's going to do it. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you today. God, I know there's been so many times in my life where you've worked behind closed doors. God, I didn't see it. I didn't understand it. I didn't know what was going on. And I wish I could stand here to say that I had all the time had the faith that this woman did and I didn't. But Father God, I thank you for those times and for today. For the people who don't understand what's going on. Father God, I feel a weightiness and a heaviness because I want to communicate this correctly and how you want to communicate it. So I ask, Father God, that you would speak through me today. God, let me present encouragement and hope that you want to provide in your name. Amen. When God works behind closed doors, he doesn't explain why he's closing the door. I'll say it again. When God works behind closed doors, he doesn't explain why, he, why he's closing the door. So literally, this boy died. A Shunammite woman sends to Elisha, words to Elisha and says, he's died. I need you to come do something. Elisha shows up, sees the boy, walks in the room, closes the door, and he does not tell the Shunammite woman why he's closing the door. That is tough. Because we have, especially when the thing, our promise, and the thing that we're holding on to is dead, that's one of the big things we want to know is why. I'm sure she had a lot of why questions. Why won't you let me see what's going on? Why do you have to shut the door? Why keep me in the dark? Why did this even happen? And that's tough for us. That's tough for me because God will, take, God will see things in our life and we're like, God, take this. God, please use this. God, I don't know. I, I, the thing that I'm holding on to, I don't see how you could bring any good out of it. And he says, all right, I got it. We're cool. I'm going to take care of it. And he shuts the door and we're going, and? And what now? And the truth is, I don't know why. But God doesn't work that way. God's working in some of your lives, and the biggest frustration that you have is he didn't tell you why he's not letting you know what he's doing. He closed the door, and all you're left is a promise. But you've got a promise. And for some of you, maybe you're hurt or frustrated with God because you kind of believe he's working, you believe maybe something's going on, but he didn't tell you why. In the story for the Shunammite woman, Elisha shut the door and, she, and didn't tell her why he was shutting the door. And again, I, I wish I had some big spiritual insight as to tell you why, why God does that. The only thing I can see that I believe is that when God shuts the door, what he's trying to work in you and what he's trying to say to you is, just trust me. I'm not going to keep the door open so you can watch everything. I just want you to trust me when I tell you I got it. And that's hard. It's kind of like this. It's, it's, the only way I know how to compare it to is, is my little girl, Madison. She's five years old, and she's probably the most inquisitive thing in the world. I love it about her, but at the same time, it's frustrating at times because she doesn't take anything at face value. I never forget. If, if we were to go to any trip, like if we were to go, uh, let's just say we're going to Disney, okay? Going to Disney, cool. Maddie, we're going to Disney. Woo, 
Woo, she's got the promise, right? It takes a long time to get to Disney, right? Especially for little kids. And so literally she plays the whole game of, Daddy, are we there yet? Are we there yet? I'm bored. Why, why, why aren't we there yet? Why are we there? And I'm like, I'm like baby, I, I'm working. I'm driving. You know, I'm getting there to Disney so that my little girl can go to Disney. I want you to hang out with the mouse. I do. You're going to love it. And I'm on the way. Just trust me that I'm on the way. But then she'll go, but Daddy, why? Why aren't we there yet? Why are we in this car? Why, it's in Florida? Why are we in Florida? And I'm like, baby, don't worry about the whys. Don't worry about the why. And there's a part of me as a dad, I just go, does she trust me? When I tell you, I'm going to take you to Disney World, baby. I'm going to take you and we're going to get there. And as humorous as that is in, in, in my life, I think that's what God wants with us. He shuts the door, says, I got it. We're going to get there. And he wants you to trust that he's going to do it. That's what faith is. That's hard to live out. It's easy on paper to go, mm-hmm, God's got it. It's harder to live out. Because for the Shunammite woman, that was her baby who died. It's easy for us to read it and say, God's got it, because that's her baby. It's not ours. But when it's our fill in the blank, it's hard. A couple of scriptures. Psalms 91.2 says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. Proverbs 35 says, every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them who put their trust in him, even when he doesn't say why. I added that part. Isaiah 26.3, that will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Maybe the reason why God hasn't told you why he's closed the door is because he wants to work out the trust issue with you. Number two, when God works behind closed doors, he doesn't give you a play-by-play -play of what he's doing. If you noticed, when the boy was healed, Elisha opened up the door and had to go tell the, tell the servant Gehazi to go, get, uh, to go get the Shunammite woman because she wasn't there at the door. If it were me, and it were Madison or Davis, I would be outside the door. I'd be outside the door. I'd knock on it. I'd say, is everything okay in there? I would probably open it a couple times, see if I can get a little sneaky peek, right? I'd probably, I'd, I'd probably be slipping notes under, the, uh, under the, the framing or whatever in the door. Hey, is everything okay? Check yes or no, and send it back. I would be doing all those things because that's my baby. And when Elisha was done with his work, he opened the door, and the Shunammite woman wasn't even there. He had to go get the servant to go get her. That blows my mind. Because the times in my life that something has died and the only person who can revive it is God, I tend to want to play by play. If I were her, I would kind of want to know. It'd be great if Elijah would say, okay, I'm going to lay on the boy now. I'm blowing life into him now. Okay, he just sneezed once, now twice. I would want those details. I'd want that play, that play. But she was okay without it. That's hard. That is tough. That is faith. I wish I could say with integrity that I have all the time, and I don't. But that's the faith that God works, that, 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 that God works out in us when he works behind closed doors. He doesn't give us a play-by-play. -play. 
But the problem is we live in a world where we get instant information. I know what half of y'all in here have for dinner every night because you post it. (laughs) And I'm offended that you didn't invite me because it looks good and delicious. But we get instant information through social media. If I want to go check up on somebody, it's a text message away. And usually within 30 seconds, I get something back. Or if it's Facebook message, at least I know when you got it. Because if I send you a private Facebook message, I know when you looked at it. And then I'm sitting there going, why didn't you write me back? Right? Because we want instant information. We want instant feedback. We want step by step what is happening in our life. And that's the way the culture of this world has conditioned us to believe. The only problem is God don't work that way. He doesn't give us a play-by-play when he's working behind closed doors. But we want it to be. The truth is, because of our lack of faith, we want God to tell us everything. And when he doesn't, we get mad, we get frustrated, we call our friends up and have a, and have a prayer session that's kind of designed sometimes as a complaining party because we, we kind of believe that if we were to maybe to complain that we would get God's attention and then God don't work that way. Our nature, and we're tempted sometimes when God's working behind closed doors to barge through the door and say, what's going on? And when I was writing this, I don't know who it's for, but I just felt so prompted to say, Do not short-circuit God's plan for you by barging through the door. I don't know who that's for, but that's for somebody. You're thinking about it. Stop. The faith of this Shunammite woman was that she was willing to be behind. She was like, okay, he's got it. I'm going to go somewhere else, not where the door is. And when you're ready, God, you come get me. That's faith. Are we willing to do that? Because here's the thing. God doesn't offer us a play-by-play. You know what he offers us in its place? He offers us promises. The problem is we don't know how to rest in God's promises. And when things go wrong, instead of us going back to his promises and saying, God, these promises that are presented in your word are your very nature. You will not let me down. I'm going to rest in that, then we feel the need to have the play-by-play. Because if we truly believed in God's promises, when that thing is dying and God's working behind closed doors and we don't understand what's going on, then we can go back and say, you know what? Yeah, Romans 8, 28, God's going to work all things for good. I believe it, right? Galatians 5, 1, Christ, it was for freedom that you set us free. You're, you're, not, going to, you're, you're not going to let me get tied up in worry and doubt and fear. I'm going to work it out, but I'm going to trust you. That's the problem. We don't know God's word and we don't know it enough to rest in it. If you're up here looking for me to tell you right now a play-by-play of what's about to happen next and whatever it is that God's working behind closed doors for you, I can't do it. What I can offer for you is to go home, open up your Bible, and go through God's promises. Almost every day I've got a stack of cards, note cards, and it's scriptures. And I go through it almost every day in the morning. And it's just me just reminding myself, God, this is who you are. No matter what I face today, God. Because when the crisis comes, that's when I want to know God's word enough to rest in it. Because once we know that, once we know God's promises, we're willing to trust in his word. Again, I'm going to go back to kind of how it was with Maddie, right? 
Friday, I took Maddie to the doctor because she was sick, uh, cough and everything else, right? Took her and her her biggest question was, Daddy, am I going to get a shot? Am I going to get a shot? Am I going to get a shot? And I'm like, baby, you're really not going to get a shot. There's no shot. I promise, because they're just going to come and check you out. They're probably going to, if they order you antibiotics, that's it, but no shot. Okay, but daddy, am I going to get a shot? I don't want a shot. Baby, you're not going to get a shot. You're not. They're just going to check you out. Are you sure they're not going to get a shot, daddy? I really don't want a shot. And she starts crying and weeping. I really don't want a shot. I don't want a shot. I'm like, baby. And finally, I had to look at her. I said, do you trust daddy that, I'm gonna, that, that what daddy says happens? She goes, mm-hmm. So, okay, you're not getting a shot, Right? And again, I think that's what God wants to work out in us too. His word, are we willing to say, yes, Lord, you got it. I don't understand everything, but I trust your words. If, you're, if you recall, uh, Jesus, there was, a, uh, there was a Roman centurion that came up to him and said, my boy's dying. Boy's dying. Jesus said, okay, I'll go with you to heal him. And the Roman centurion said, well, nope, nope. I know you, I'm under authority. You're a man under authority as well. If you just speak the word, I know he'll be healed. And what was Jesus' reaction? He said, he goes, whoop, stop, 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 stop. I have not seen such great a faith in you right now, in all of Israel than what I'm seeing right now. Because he believed his word. Are we willing, when God's working behind closed doors, just to believe his word and not have the play-by-play? The Shunammite woman was. Number three, when God works behind closed doors, you're not aware of his processes. The boy wasn't immediately healed. There was all this stuff that happened. Elisha laid on him, put his eyes on him, his mouth on him, breathed life to breathe life into him. Okay, he's warm, right? And then he and then there was this whole process of let me do it again. Then the boy sneezed. There was all this process happened. The woman, she didn't know. And so some of us, we get so frustrated. When God doesn't let us in on his processes on how he's doing it. But my question to her, when, when, when the final product was presented, is there any record of the Shunammite woman going and saying, now how'd you do this again? What processes? No, she just celebrated the fact that her boy was there and alive. Who cares what the process was? The end result is what matters. And some of us, because God is working behind closed doors and there's all these processes that either we're not aware of or we don't understand, we're getting frustrated. But when God works behind closed doors, he don't let you in on his processes. He just does them. Are you willing to trust and believe that God, as long as you give me an end product, I'm good? The only reason, because when I'm studying this, I'm sitting there going, God, okay, I understand why you didn't tell the Shunammite woman, but why didn't you just like come in and heal the boy, like lay hands on him, heal the boy, and he's good? Why was there all these other things that I can't seem to make sense, right? Back to the whole cosmic snot thing. I, I, it makes no sense to me, right? And God just revealed, I can't explain that, but I'm going to tell you what did happen. Those processes created more time. That was more time that that Shunammite woman had to go wherever she was and live out what she and, 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 and live out what she truly believed. Because because oftentimes God's processes from go to from from A promise to B final product isn't one just straight line. He goes all over the place. And. The reason why he does that is because we're the product. 
We're the project. Sorry, the project. We're the project. The reason why what you're praying for hasn't just poof happened is because there is something he's wanting to work out in you. So that way when the final product is ready, you're ready for it. And I believe that there was something, and we're going to talk about it in just a second, that was worked out in this woman that, that revealed itself that I don't believe would have been worked out without that time. And so for you, for me, when God's working behind closed doors, he may not go from point A to point B. King David in the Bible, right? King David in the Bible. Hey, you're anointed king. Woo! Years later, after killing Goliath, after being hunted by King Saul, after hanging out in the wilderness, after all these things that happened. And he would tell you, this was for me. I don't know why God is working the processes that he's working out in you. All I know is that the end result for you in his timing is going to be beautiful. For me, I don't know why Kim and I had to miscarry two babies after Madison. I don't know why. All I know is when I look at my son's eyes, Davis, and I see the incredible creation that he is, it's beautiful. I don't know why God had me work retail and retail management for six years. Couldn't tell you all those, all those details. You would have thought that it would have been Drew intern to straight youth pastor. Nope. It wasn't a straight line. But I know now what he's doing in me is beautiful. I don't know why all, pretty much all my friends got married before I did. Especially because I was so good looking. <laughs> but I know this, that when I come home and I see my wife and I see the marriage that we have, it's beautiful. For you, you're so caught up, maybe some of us, in, in, in why God hadn't revealed to you his processes, and the truth is, he's working out something in you. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says this, for my thoughts, this is God talking, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Number four, when God works behind closed doors, the goal is to bring life out of something dead. That's really God's plan. He's not just closing the door to work out something in you. He really does desire to bring, to bring life out of something dead. But what we have to work out during this process is whether we truly believe it or not. That's where it gets hard. Elisha, when he walked in that door, representing God. He didn't just walk in to say, all right, I guess I'm just going to hang out a little bit and we'll see what happens. No, he walked in with a specific goal. Here is something dead and I ain't leaving this room until it comes back to life. And that's God's purpose with us. The dead things in our life. He has the express goal of bringing the things that are dead to life. Now, he's going to do it in his timing you can't get him to do magic pixie dust and all of a sudden, woo. Nope. He's going to do it in his processes and in his ways. But he's going to bring it back to life. Are you willing to believe and hold on to that though? That's where it gets tough. 
The Bible, specifically, one of the most used single words in the Bible itself is the word life. It's in the Bible, depending on which version you read, more, uh, over um, more than 450 times the word life. And I'm not talking about, li- I'm not talking about live or lived or, or uh, a livelihood. I'm talking about just the word life. God chose it to use that word more than 450 times in the Bible. I think because he's trying to send us a message that when God works on the scenes and we allow him, we don't just barge in, we allow him to do his thing, he's going to bring life. I don't know when or how, but he's good. And if, and if I could give a microphone to some of the people that are here who have been strong in their faith and have walked with God for a while and we could hear some of their stories, I guarantee you a lot of our stories would be like, yeah, the things I thought were dead in my life. He brought, he brought to life. He's good. First John 5.20 says, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so, so that we may know him who is true. And we, who, we are in him who is true in, the son of, in his Son, excuse me, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. If you're a Christian, we have Jesus Christ living inside. We are in Christ. The whole goal is to bring life. It's going to happen. I just don't have the details. That's why God's working behind closed doors. Here's the last thing. If we get our musician uh, band up, please. When God works behind closed doors, the end result is worship of him, not worship of the miracle. When God works behind closed doors, the end result is worship of him, not worship of the miracle. Before, so literally, Elisha, uh, Elisha opens the door. The boy's alive, says, says, says to Gehazi, go get the woman. The woman shows up, sees her son standing there. And let me get this straight. Before she walks up to the son and cries and hugs him and checks on him and everything else, the word says that she bowed low to Elisha. And as the representative, she wasn't worshiping Elisha. She was worshiping the God in Elisha. That is incredible. If it were me once again, and the door were opened, and I saw Madison, who was dead, now alive, I'd make a beeline right toward her, hug her, everything else, and with tears streaming down my face, I'd I'd probably look at Elisha and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. But it says something about this woman about where her heart was and about what God had worked out in her, that as soon as the door was open, she saw the boy. She said, before I get to the miracle, I'm going to get to the person who provided the miracle. She got down low. Thank you. She worshiped. I submit to you this. Maybe, the, maybe what was being worked out in her during that time that she was waiting behind closed doors, I submit that's what was being worked in her was worship. I don't have the proof. You could come and, you could come and disagree with me and I'll say you're right every time, right? Because I don't want to start an argument. But the reason why I believe that is because the first thing she did was worship. There was some sort of maturity that was worked in, that, that was worked during this process in her. 
My question for us is, as we wait behind closed doors, are we willing for God to work worship in us? Because if we're willing to let worship work itself through us while we wait behind closed doors, nothing can touch us. Because whether times are good, whether times are bad, whether I have a promised living, whether I have a promised dying, whether I have a promised dead, whether I'm in the penthouse, whether I'm in the poorhouse, no matter what, I'm going to worship. Nothing can touch you. Even if you die, nothing can touch you. Because you realize the source of all joy. It's not the miracle. It's the God of the miracle. The times in my life where God hasn't worked on my timetable or schedule, my prayers generally don't get answered until I look at God and say, God, no matter what, I'm going to worship I wonder the people here who God is working on stuff behind closed doors. I wonder if in the middle of your frustration and hurt today, if you would be willing to worship. It doesn't guarantee that tomorrow you're going to wake up and things are better. But it does mean that you're willing to let God work a process in you. So here's what I'm going to ask. I believe this was a, uh, this was a hard message for me to preach. But more than anything, I hope it brought encouragement to you. I'm going to give you the opportunity to worship. And if you're one of those people, if I get everybody to stand, please. If you would say, Drew, I'm here today. And God's working behind closed doors. It's frustrating. I'm nervous and scared. First of all, you're in the right place. What I want to give you the opportunity to do is to do what this woman did in worship. And so we're going to go through song, maybe two, don't know how many. But I'm going to give you the opportunity to publicly do it. Now, worship is a private thing, and I get that. But I think there's something that's going to happen in you if you're willing to come down here with everybody seeing your business and worship. And so as they play, if God's working behind closed doors with you and this message was an encouragement for you, would you be willing to take a bold step? There's no embarrassment. Just come down and just worship. Talk to God.
blood and righteousness I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly trust in Jesus name my hope is built my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Yes, God, your Christ alone, cornerstone, weak, made strong. The Savior's love and through the storm, He is Lord, Lord, your Lord of all.